Okay. Uh, the go word will be go. Okay. <laughs> go. <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm Megan. And, and we're, we're the hosts of Little BS or Little Bill Salads. If you like salads, we like to joke about them. And you're listening to Professor Holbrook's episode on So, so Much, Much Pingle. Pingle. listening to So Much Pingle, the podcast about herpetology, field herping, and anything and everything about amphibians and reptiles. Join us each week as Mike and his guests explore the amazing world of herps across our planet. And now, bringing a half century of experience and perspective to the microphone, here's your host, Mike Pingleton. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the show. Mike Pingleton here, and I am your host for these proceedings. Here we go with episode 24. And as most of you know by now, my goal is to release a new episode every Sunday, but sometimes that's just not an easy target to hit. And let's just say that last week was a really bumpy one and leave it at that. And I hope you all remain happy and healthy, and we're all good here at the So Much Pingle World Headquarters, and like most everyone else, we're keeping our heads down and uh, hoping to put 2020 far behind us. Now, this show is not the one I plan to release. That show has 12 segments to it, uh, plus an intro and outro, and it's a tricky one to put together, and I'm still working on it a bit. And uh, I just gave you all a little hint that it's something different from the regular format for the show. And the suggestion for that came from several folks in our listening audience. So there you go. You speak and I listen. So this episode gets moved up by a week. And I got to say, I had a lot of fun with this one because it features my friend and co-author, Josh Holbrook. Now, we recorded this around a campfire this past October in the Shawnee National Forest down in southern Illinois. And if you listen closely, you can hear the snap, crackle, pop of the campfire and occasional titters from our studio audience. And I got to say, I wish I could do all my interviews around a campfire or maybe even just sitting around a kitchen table would be nice. So Josh had brought down a small group of students to Snake Road. And, of course, I'm going to take advantage of his proximity and break out the mobile studio. And the intro for today's show comes from Rachel and Megan, who are two of Josh's students, and they have their own podcast about salad. And holy cow, do they ever like to talk about salad. I mean, it's amazing. I I learned so much, and I might even try some salad sometime. Now, Josh Holbrook and I became friends as a result of our book project, The Field Herping Guide which I'm sure most folks are familiar with at this point. Uh, Collaboration is never an easy thing. And I'm so pleased that we came out on the other side of it with uh, a good friendship. And, of course, we're going to talk about the book a little bit during this episode. And you all get a little insight into our thoughts and processes that uh, went into concocting the thing. And as you might expect, uh, we had plenty of other things to talk about during the interview. Uh, They say that you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but my association with Josh, who is an ecologist who specializes in wetlands, it really altered the framework of how I perceive 
amphibians and reptiles in the field, you know, going about their daily business. I've learned a lot from Josh, and I also appreciate his teaching style. And he's a funny guy, and he usually has a grin on his face, and he's open and genuine, and it really helps him to build a rapport with his students. I mean, when your students conspire to do a secret intro for your podcast episode, you must be doing something right. Now, I love the wheels within wheels associations that come with my my group of herping friends. And Josh was interested in adding a tropical ecology class to his repertoire. And I was able to um, arrange the use of our field stations in Peru for his purposes. So so last March, I went down there with Josh and his class. And I was there to support and, and advise. And I got the chance to observe Mr. Holbrook and his element as a teacher and mentor. And that was pretty informative and, and very entertaining. And he's really good at what he does. And that's something else we talk about in this episode. And it looks like Josh will be teaching a tropical ecology class now every other year at our facility. And that means extra trips to Peru for this guy. Yes. So let's talk to Josh. In the studio, in the forest. <laughs> you have to cut this part out. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I am sitting in one of my favorite places in the entire world. I'm in a campfire in the Pine Hills campground on the edge of the Shawnee National Forest, just a, a long rock throw away from Snake Road. And I'm here tonight around this lovely campfire with Professor Joshua Holbrook and his class. Welcome, class. Hi. Awesome. Welcome, Josh. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. You knew I was going to have you on the show sooner or later. You know, I was getting a little little sad, you know? Why sad, Josh? We're, 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 what, episode 21 now? And it took you that long? We've <laughs> got a history. Well, I, I I'm, had, I'm ecstatic to be here now. Well, though. I, I had lots of important people, though. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. so it, you know, it's it's one of those things that you know you have to priorities, man. I, it's all priorities. I get it. I get it. Okay. You knew I would come on the show for you at any point. So. I knew you would. I knew you would. You wouldn't <laughs> let me down. Yeah. So here we are, and we're sitting around a campfire at, after the end of a long and uh, interesting day. Uh, and why are you here? And I don't mean existentially. I mean, why are you here at Snake Road? Why am I here? Well, um, you know, uh, with, with coronavirus, uh, it's made some changes to how we travel and, and all that. Um, and so I am teaching an ecology class this year as I do every fall. Um, but the problem is this year, uh, we have to do social distancing and that sort of thing. And, um, so the normal trip, uh, lab trips that we go on, I had to, um, make some changes and we split it into two. And I was like, you know what, for the few and the proud that want to do it, we're going to go to Snake Road just cause it's going to be great. Good and choice. So here we are. Here we are. Yeah. And the campfire is functioning as sort of a viral destroyer device. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's science. Just trust me. Okay. <laughs> I'm not falling for that again. <laughs> Well, cool. So you brought down, let's see, I have seven people, uh, seven students today, uh, this time, and uh, I assume they all had a pretty good time today. 
You know, I hope so. We we got. Uh, I'm seeing some heads nodding. Yeah, we saw we so saw they're, some. Snakes. They're either falling asleep from your opening monologue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they, they agree. Yeah. Yeah. So you <laughs> found some snakes today. The the usual snake road bill of fare, which a lot of folks here really hadn't seen before. I'm sure a lot of your students. Yeah, I think uh, almost all of them. It would have been their first uh, cop mouse, except maybe Rachel and no, not Megan. So yeah, almost all of them. Okay, cool. And a green snake and um, mm-hmm. water snakes and yeah, it frogs. wasn't you know it wasn't uh, moving a snake off the road every two feet, but um, you know I I don't claim to be uh, someone who can conjure up snakes everywhere they go. I'm I'm not Tim Morphle. <laughs> Okay. Every show, Tim's name gets dropped. That's because he's, like you've said before, he's he's the herp wizard that travels <laughs> travels around and just shows up where he wants to. And you get a call one day, like, "Hey, I'm coming to your I'm coming to your place, brother." There it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, as far as places for, to do an ecology class field trip, this is a pretty good one. I, I'd like to think so. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to tell me why, obviously. Yeah, well, it's there are snakes here and they're fun to catch. And um, oh, okay, no, that's sorry, that's the ulterior motive. But um, you know, it's uh, it's great for for winter ecology. Talking about um, these these species, uh, how they they can't survive um, out in the elements. They can't produce their own internal heat. Obviously, we all know reptiles and amphibians are uh, uh, poikilothermic. They they. Uh, they need to be able to stay warm in the winter using their environment. And so obviously they go up to the bluffs, they go up and hibernate there. So it's a great, it's right in front of your eyes. There's the swamp they're in in the winter. There's the bluffs or there's the swamp they're in in the summer. There's the bluffs they're going into in the winter. Um, and you get to see them moving. So it's, it's pretty cool. And then um, there are certainly lots of other, uh, lots of other messages you could, you could take there, but I, I don't do a lot of, um, you know, let's everybody shut up and I'll, I'll teach in the field. A lot of it's just, let's get out there, let's look. And then when we're talking about it someday in class, I'll say, Hey, you remember this? And, and hopefully they do. And sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. Yeah. It's what, how much more could you hope for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry guys. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah. And, and so, as far as Snake Road is concerned, um, it's one of those places where it's unique because you're afforded a, a, a stage to watch the witness the event in uh, in large scale. It's it's one thing to see one snake tootling through the forest on its way to to hibernate, but it's another thing to see an entire day's worth doing the same thing. Yeah, absolutely, and and I, I think uh, actually. Um, hurt people in general like the, the the stuff we do the methods we use really uh they're in a lot of ways unique amongst biologists amongst ecologists amongst naturalists to where we we see a lot more than <laughs> than your average average person going outdoors and so some of the skills that we pick up just doing what we do i think really really is beneficial in this sort of uh, situation um it's a cool opportunity i get to to show lots of people things that They've never seen before um, and wouldn't be likely to see just because, you know, they never thought to hike around at night or go road cruising or something like that. Oh, yeah. Hiking at night, uh, like for salamanders, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the big things because, gosh, we're, you know, uh, Montreat, where I teach, is right smack in the middle um, and there's a trail 
uh, basically right off of campus that we can go any night and we can get, you know, five or six species of salamander, included, including Yanalasi salamanders. Yes. Um, and we can go and, you know, some nights we get a few, some nights we get 40 or 50. And we actually did a, um, you know, it's it's a really cool setup because at, at Montreat we have small class sizes. And, and uh, so I get to uh, get to know a lot of the students really well. And so uh, the other night I was I was going out. And so I just sent out an email to the whole college like, hey, we're going on a salamander hike tonight. If anybody wants to join, went out. It was raining. Uh, we got over 100 Wow. Just walking wow. around. We didn't get what I was looking for, but uh, but we got over 100 salamanders, That's so I'm not going to complain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I should mention, too, to our listeners that uh, when you're talking about Montreal, you're talking about Montreal College, yeah. uh, which is in North Carolina, uh, east of Asheville. Correct. And um, it, it's right smack and dab in the middle of Salamander Central. I mean, they should really call North Carolina Salamandria. <laughs> Uh, kind of Game of Thronesy name for it, but yeah, but uh, that's I, true. I, mean, I would advocate for that. Yeah, I, I would vote for Salamandria. Yeah, and you you've been a professor at Montreal for how many years now? Uh, starting on my fourth year. Fourth year. So yeah, yeah, very cool. And you are not a North Carolinian. Uh, I detect oh. some traces of accent when <laughs> yeah. talking to you. Excuse me, I got to go to my cat. Uh, Your cat? <laughs> okay, there's a clue for us, folks. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. Uh, I was born and raised in uh, the great state of Connecticut, um, and which is a great place to be for about four months out of the year. And uh, then I... Four concurrent months or four random months? Yeah, four concurrent months, okay. like, you know, May, June, July, August. Um, then it's an inhospitable wasteland. And so I uh, went to college in uh, Florida, um, down in Palm Beach County, and... Uh, Met my wife there, so we stayed there for about 10 years. So uh, I, Florida, temperature-wise, was really the place for me, although I, I do love North Carolina. Sure. Your wife's name is Becca, and you have three lovely children. Yeah, I have uh, three kids. Uh, oldest is Hava, and uh, she's just wonderful. She asks me to go herping all the time, and it just... Mm, gets me, gets me right here. Um, and I know that spot. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, then, uh, my second, uh, our middle child is Josephine. And then our youngest that was just born. He's, he's a pandemic baby is, uh, Jonah. Um, or I, I gotta give his full name. It's, uh, Jonah Ransom Rayowell. So he is J.R.R. Holbrook. Excellent. <laughs> yes. Excellent. We planned that. Uh, we actually tried it with Josephine, but we couldn't think of two, uh, our middle names that we wanted. So you could just, could just be R. It's true. If I could turn back time, uh, I, <laughs> oh, I no. should have spoken I, I with you. you. We don't sing on this podcast, so <laughs> don't, 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 don't do that one. Okay. Good. <laughs> so very good. Um, so we, now we know where you're from and what you're up to and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, you're not just an educator. you you also do some science and, um, Yes, in particular interest in wetlands, I know. Mm -hmm. And you care to talk about that uh, a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. I I mean, yeah, so, uh, you know, I do love educating, but but one thing that uh, just sort of a nitpicky thing that I have, I I don't like teaching about things that I haven't really experienced firsthand. So I still, um, you know, even when I was not working in my field and that sort of thing in years past, it's, it's like I... I continued uh, different research avenues just because it's like I like finding out these things firsthand and then being able to tell people about them. So yeah, I love wetlands. They're they're sort of 
my thing. Um, I did my thesis work uh, at Florida Atlantic University, um, and basically I was looking at the effect of fish on herb populations, uh, herb communities rather, in wetlands. Um, and I, I had a really cool setup where I had, uh, you think, you, you read the herb literature and it's like, okay, these, these frogs like temporary fishless wetlands and what you don't hear about a lot is that there are actually permanent fishless wetlands. There are essentially lakes out there, um, and probably were more common in the past, lakes that don't have fish in them. Um, and they end up being really important for uh, local herb biodiversity. Um, Salamanders and frogs and yeah, ab- up the food chain even further, right? Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, the site I was working at did not have uh, a bunch of salamander species, but um, to give you an idea of what I did, we um, we had 20 different ponds, uh, wetland ponds that we were surveying. You know, they they had some of them had some of them had fish, some of them didn't have fish, some of them were permanent, some of them were temporary. We had two permanent sites right next to each other, lakes, kind of similar size. One lake uh, had fish, it had bass, it had all that, and then another lake maybe a hundred meters from it was similarly sized and had no fish. Um, in the, in the one, the one without fish over the field season, we got hundreds. I think we were around about a thousand herps total. Um, individuals, obviously not. Species. So you did surveys. Yeah. So we, yeah. So it did aquatic trapping surveys for them. Okay. Um, you know, and all sorts of, uh, urine, uh, tadpoles and that sort of thing. So, you know, hundreds and hundreds in this one. And a hundred meters distance, fish dominated pond, same survey method, same everything. Three herps over six months of surveys. Three herps. <laughs> one leopard frog, uh, and or like one one pig frog, one leopard frog, and one green water snake. <laughs> wow. So, so so all the uh all the herps were like, I'm going over here. Um, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, it's possible a lot of them were being eaten in the, the fish dominated pond. Right. Because that's the thing, you know, uh I've done some water snake work, and the cool thing about water snakes is you go and yeah, you walk around the edge of these ponds and you scare them, and they swim towards the middle to get away from you. And then they have this old crap moment where they turn right back around and start swimming back towards you because they're like, "I'm out in the middle. There's big fish in here." I, I have seen that thing, and you see that with frogs too. Like a frog, a frog will jump into a, a body of water and it'll, it'll go so far, and it's like the oh crap barrier. Yeah, oh crap, and then it comes right back to shore. Yep, yep, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Wow. So obviously you you found some interesting differences, but uh, mm-hmm. what else did you find out about that? I mean, was that the the main thrust of it? Is that ponds with fish are vacuums for herps? Yeah, I mean that that was you know we we looked at a, uh, or I looked at a lot of different uh, variables that could have shaped the community. I looked at you know how far ponds were distant from other ponds, you know whether they were temporary uh, temporary or permanent, how thick the muck was underneath. That was a fun field method to figure out. Um, Isn't that it, what grad students are for? Are you undergraduates? Yeah, yeah. You would think, but uh, I guess I'm just too benevolent for my own good. I'm just um, kidding. I'm just kidding. Of course. Um, yeah, so uh, we, in the analyses we did, we, you know, basically considered a whole bunch of stuff, and every time it was like nothing really mattered at this side. It was it was in this one region, but it, fish far and away. It was fish. Fish or fish were the great Satan for yeah. for herps. For herps. <laughs> and I guess that's so. true. You know, out in out west and alpine lakes and things that didn't have fish. Yeah, that, that somehow got fish because the people decided they needed to 
Uh, Stock them. Yeah, the sorts of things we do uh, as as a as humanity to get fish into places is kind of uh, man, you know, in terms of airlifting fish and dropping fish populations into high ma- mountain lakes. I actually have a uh, newspaper article, a digital one that I was looking at at one point that said it was in Georgia and it said that a a lake that is mysteriously fishless in Georgia in such and such county will now be put to some use after, you know, 300 bluegill and largemouth bass were released this past week. (laughs) It's a funny way of looking at the world. This lake is useless because it has no fish. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) Hmm. so, um, and so that I suspect that this, this whole, um, this issue of fish or no fish might actually be a somewhat important paradigm in, in wetlands ecology that isn't uh, that isn't studied a lot. Isn't nobody's really talking about it. I hate that yeah. phrase, but because yeah. um, people are, but just not right. Well, in, in one of my earlier podcasts, we touched about I touched on the fact of people planning and managing lakes, things they could do to add a wetland component. Uh, where the fish, there are barriers to fish, but there's still a wetland component uh, where amphibians, you know, have a, a you know, refugia basically from large predators like fish. Yeah. Uh, which is, I guess, becoming more of a more common practice in uh, land management. So, yeah. So maybe some people are wising up a little bit. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I mean, fish certainly have their place. And I kind of suspect, you know, future research, uh, I kind of suspect that uh, that fish populations are healthier when you have fishless wetlands in the area because they're they're uh production uh <laughs> production sites for lots and lots of fish food dragonflies and, oh, that's and right. all sorts of invertebrates yeah. right. that are then going to emerge um and actually uh there's been some research a lot of dragonfly species are pretty indiscriminate about where they go to lay their eggs and stuff so they emerge from the fishless wetland and a lot of them will go to the fish dominated wetland and maybe get eaten so yeah they make fish taste better yeah yeah oh yeah that's what i'm told yeah that that the ode to dragonfly, yeah. Ode to dragonfly. <laughs> that was For awesome. Sure. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And so, you're probably going to do some more research with amphibians and wetlands. Is, is that in the yeah, future for you? That's 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 my hope. I, I'm uh, hoping to start with uh, starting a PhD program soon, and uh, that would be the direction I'd like to go. Awesome. Um, yeah. Awesome. For sure. Very good. Uh, so uh, let's talk. Uh, I think uh, I was trying to remember the. First time that we met, I of course knew about you, but I think. Um, oh really? I think I, yeah. I didn't know about you. Oh, you know that's okay. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> I, I I deserve that. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, I think we met uh, perhaps back in the in the aughts on a on a survey trip. Maybe it was a yeah. survey trip in Alabama. Yeah, I, we finally met face face to face. Yeah, I feel like it was maybe oh nine twenty ten something something like that. Like that yeah, and uh, we were uh, that was in Desoto State Park up in uh, northern Alabama. Yeah, and uh, I think Daniel Dye invited you because I think you guys just met like a month or two beforehand. He's like, I'm going to invite my friend Mike Mike Pingleton. Yeah, and I yeah. got there and everybody was you know there was like these. Well, well Daniel and I like the you know old-timey hippie music and, yeah and we hadn't got through enough of that so we needed to get back <laughs> together and sing some more of that stuff absolutely yeah and you know there were there were some kids there that were fanboying on you just like you're the mike pingleton i'm like who's i i mean you know. never heard of him yeah <laughs> yeah i don't think you know that sounds i i honestly hadn't i but i you know i 
But I knew about you because you had just come out with a field guide to Southern Florida. I did. What is the yeah. name of the book? Tell is us the name a, of the book. A, a field guide to the snakes of Southern Florida. Am I good or what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's uh, you know, to the three people out there who have read it, thanks. I think it's four. <laughs> yeah, could be. Could be. No, it was not widely circulated, but uh, it's that's okay. I, I, I wrote that and did that while I was... Uh, well, I was an undergraduate, so I've wow. I've I've since you know done something I think is a little you, bit better. Do you feel Do you feel that you learned something from that experience? Like never write a book again? Yeah. Well, no. I I don't know if I actually learned that lesson, but <laughs> uh, but no. It's uh, so I was actually honestly when I when I was an undergrad, I was just sort of learning the ropes of the whole like how do you actually find reptiles the the this herping thing and. Uh, one of the ways I process things is by writing about them. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to write a book about snakes. And so it gave me, gave me a goal, gave me something to work towards. And, and, you know, I think it worked out well because I was able to get the, the lessons I was learning written down while they were fresh. Um, and I, I, I think that's, that gives me a good way to process things. And, um, hopefully everybody else doesn't lose out in the process. <laughs> So, very good and very good and so it also prepped you for what was to come later and uh i got a text message from you um <laughs> perhaps 2017 yeah, that sounds about right yeah. and the text just said want to collaborate on a book <laughs> and um and and so um like you i mean you had obviously had some designs on this and i had been putting together notes for something along similar lines, uh, some sort of field herping book and, mm -hmm. and have been doing this myself. And I got your text and, and, um, I stopped, I made some coffee and I thought about it. And I thought about all the other people who've collaborated on books who, who are no longer <laughs> friends. <laughs> and uh, I thought, well, we well if that... I lose this guy, it's no big deal. Yeah, so. I was going to say, <laughs> we, we weren't that close back then. So it worked. Yeah. <laughs> And so began all these long conversations. I guess I texted you back and said, yeah, yeah, let's talk. And uh, so then yeah. we talked and we, uh, we decided to, uh, to work together on a field, uh, how to field herping book. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, it's kind of hard to, every time I do one of these episodes, it's kind of hard not to make it into a commercial for something I'm doing, <laughs> whether it's guiding in Peru or, or whatever. But, uh, but I thought it was, and just, you are just getting rich off of all of that. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you if you take and tally up all the hours it took to write those books, I mean, I mean, it would have been nice to have gotten minimum wage. But <laughs> it's true, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think we we're making minimum wage, you know, from 1940 <laughs> on on that. But it was fun so. to collaborate with you, and it was uh, an interesting task because the, the book we ended up with is not the book we started with. Things morphed over time and bounced ideas off each other. And um, I have to say, um, one of one of the best parts that I really enjoyed is you bringing all this ecology into the into the book. You know, these ideas of if you look at these things, if you understand the animal's needs and what they do, you, it can help you uh, make it easier for you to, to find them. Yeah. So. Um, how was that experience for you? I don't think we've ever actually really talked about this. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> no, it was it was it was good because um, I I like to collaborate um, and 
there are some things that I'm good at, but there, as you may have found out, but there's, there's some things that I'm not good at. And I, I think that one of, one of my strengths is, uh, is having the ideas and, and turning the ideas of into a reality, like content creation, you know, so I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I'm an ideas guy that expects somebody else to do it. And so, yeah, so, so a lot of that was, uh, I, I'm putting this out there and then you sort of had to pick up the pieces and let me apologize in public, uh, for, for that. <laughs> Cause, uh, that, that was one of the things that, uh, we would, we would go back and forth and, and, uh, I would have very flowery writing and you had, you had Yoda speech and, uh. Yeah, so you you I clipped your wings and you clipped mine. <laughs> yeah, a little and, bit. And uh, one of the one of the hard things about writing anything is the concept of killing your darlings. You think <laughs> you've written something really cool and it, it just really it doesn't fit or it's it's too purple or whatever it is, and so you have to get rid of it. But the really harder part is when you have to kill somebody your collaborators' darlings. <laughs> and you, you and I both did that, and uh, yeah. so you have to learn to to go okay, you know. It's it's all for the good of the project and um, yeah and it's not personal it's it's just what has to be done so yeah so I think we learned from that and uh, we're still friends yeah. and uh, we're sitting yeah. here talking so yeah everything worked out but uh, I'm not sure I want to do that again <laughs> well <laughs> if you want to do yeah. volume two maybe we'll, yeah. we'll give Someday, it a shot someday uh, second edition yeah. maybe but uh, it was definitely yeah. an interesting experience um, trying to pull together material uh, and present it in a way that would be good for an adult who didn't know what they were doing or get just getting into it or an adult with a child you know because that's that seems like a, a big deal now these days in the in uh, what we call field herping recreational field herping there's a parent who is getting dragged around by a 10 year old um, and uh, increasingly you know boy or girl doesn't matter it's it's just that that age group is hot to trot on this subject and they're dragging their parents around their parents like i don't know what to do and i don't know you know how do we do this yeah. how do we how do we get our kids into this and what what's in store for us <laughs> so i think that was one of the things we tried to do um is is to write with those people in mind and we didn't write it for the the you know the herper boys and the dude bros and the, uh, all the uh, all the old guys that we hang around with they know they already know all that stuff you know yeah I mean, we, we try to, you, you talked about the ecological stuff. And so we, uh, at least I tried to make it so that, uh, there was something that, that maybe if you've been doing it for a while, you might be able to learn in terms of how to think. Um, but I, I think that the ecology stuff was also there for the people starting out because it's like, okay, hognose snakes like Sandy habitat. You could, we could have a bunch of, we could have a big list like that, but uh, it, it's, it's more one of those things of, you know, let's, let's teach how to think instead of what to think sort of deal. Like yeah. how does, how do you, how do you think like a snake? What does, what does a snake need? Well, almost all their, you know, quote unquote decisions are resource based. How do I get food, shelter, water, um, well, uh, maintaining my temperature and not getting eaten. I mean, that's, that's it. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you scratch your head about like, what is, what does this mean? But, but that's, that's essentially, that's the name of the game in ecology. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and you did a good job of bringing me home to, uh, what, uh, what our audience was. Cause I remember one, one section that I was like, we should write, we should write this. And you were like, we're not going to write about this for 10 year olds. I, I think it was on whether to 
concealed carry while out herping oh, or it something was like, like encounters that. with law enforcement yeah <laughs> yeah well no yeah, yeah yeah something like that yeah. yeah well i think i think like carrying carrying a weapon while herping was a big topic on field herp form yeah. so i got it in my head and you were like they're going to be 10 year olds reading this and their mom's going to see it. And, yeah, and that's going to be the end of their field trip. Yeah, yeah. that that will be. So, yeah. 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 We, you know, that's just, you know, that's just one example of you, you get off in the weeds because mm-hmm. everybody else is off in the weeds, but yeah, maybe the 10 year old isn't. Yeah. And, and yeah, I appreciate that you, uh, you sort of kept it on the let's let's lead the way instead of following what everybody else is talking about. Well, the about. one good thing about, you know, you're writing. When you're writing a book like this, it really doesn't have a counterpart that, an, you know, all-encompassing counterpart that's strictly about how to do this thing, field herping, recreational mm-hmm. field herping. You you get to, you don't necessarily get to make stuff up, but sometimes you get to define how it looks, you know, what it, what it is. Yeah. And it wasn't like we decided that stuff, but we decided, you know, you take a look at the community and decide what is the community doing here and what are the good things that, that people do. And that's the stuff that we want our eight-year-old Henry or 10-year-old Elizabeth, that's the stuff we want them to be doing. Yeah. Right? Uh, and, because and we, it's a recreational hobby now, like like birding, right? Which has a lot of unwritten rules. It has lots of guidelines and there's lots of how-to books and everybody can learn how to bird and do it ethically. And whether you're 80 or eight, there's plenty of material for, for that. But in recreational field herping, there was not. And we had so many times we were just sitting there and thinking, like, we got to get this done because somebody's going to scoop us. Like, how how has this not been a thing yet? Like, like honestly, it's it's uh, it really was an idea whose time had come and and maybe was even past time a little bit. Um, I, I'm I'm still amazed that we were, we were the first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, but I, I think it, it worked. The collaboration worked, and I think absolutely. Um, we did okay with it. I think well, we have a lot of good reviews on Amazon. Haven't looked recently, but uh, there's quite a few out there. Yeah, uh, fifty-four, five, uh, four, fifty-four, five-star, five-star average. All right. Just, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty so, cool. Yeah, and you know, there's uh, obviously it's first effort. And there's there's some things that uh, people can can criticize. We got and, we got the have. Alaska yeah. species list wrong. Well, we got, Let me yeah, just we, we publicly did. say that yeah. and there's evidently not just wood frogs there cuz someone was very angry about that. So yeah. if you're herping Alaska, we're sorry. <laughs> in, in, in more, more ways, ways than, than one. one. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. 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 High five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but otherwise I think it, it it worked out pretty well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I, everything I've heard so far is is you know even the people that have had um, negative things to say, and I don't mind the negative things as long as they're constructive, uh, honestly. But but sure. even th- they have said you know this is this is a good product overall. So um, I, I it's I like doing good things that are needed, and I think uh, especially some of the ethics stuff we talk about are uh, was needed and is needed. Well, that's a really slippery slope for people. Right. I mean, it's one thing to it's one thing to understand to catch a frog, look at it and let it go. No, those those are what I call easy ethics. But when it comes to human interactions, that that's where it gets tricky. Right. Because um, you, you want you want to be a part of the community, the human community that does this. And there's there are a lot of minefields there. And, you know, there are some. Great people, and there are a few real stinkers, <laughs> and you want to, you know, you don't want to do what the stinkers do, and you don't want to run afoul of them, and and uh, you know, it's kind of hard to 
to for uh you know again the younger crowd to navigate this for sure <laughs> so anyway that's i think that's pretty much the end of this commercial uh <laughs> but i should point out we know obviously we we don't get rich off this en- endeavor so most people that write books unless you're you know danielle Steele or you know mm-hmm. people like that uh, you don't really make a living off these books you just do it as something that needs to be done right it's, yep. a, it's a project so yeah, absolutely. And, and that was we, we that was that was what we talked about all the way through that we we get the chance to sort of shape the the future generation of herpers hopefully hopefully for the better. Um so well, and then a lot of them don't make the mistakes a lot of us made because we didn't know. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. We didn't have anybody to help us figure it out. And there's six, seven billion of us now, and so we can't all make the same mistakes and expect No, to, the costs are too high. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So um, I want to shift away again back to the whole ecology field trip subject because uh, you and I had a very interesting uh, field trip earlier this year in oh, um, March of this year. Uh, we went, uh, you took a tropical ecology class Whew, yeah. uh, down to Peru and uh, you came down to the, the field stations where uh, Matt Cage and I run our tours. And uh, you brought, uh, I forget how many students. I think there were 10 of us total, or there was 11 of us total. Yeah. 11 total, yeah. And uh, we have two of them here tonight with us. Yeah. Megan and Rachel with us. And they were down there and, uh, and nine others. And uh, mm-hmm. I think they all had a pretty good time down there. It's getting uh, everything in terms of ecology, everything, it's just uh, in, like going to another planet. I'm sure you have some, you've got plenty of feedback from your, your students on that trip. Absolutely. I mean, that, that first night, night hike where it's couldn't even get 10 feet down the trail before it's, uh, you know, it's another, whoa, this is amazing. This is so awesome. And it's, it's like, you know, it's a walking stick or it's a, you know, uh, it took like four hours to go a hundred feet. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. And so that, that was, that's really one of the big things I, I love so much just being able to be, be that uh, that tour guide to the natural world, where it's like, yeah, there is there are these cool things, and they're here, and they're some of them might not be here for much longer. So so let's, I, I want you guys to be able to see this stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that uh, <laughs> that's the epitome of of what I love about that, and you know, just getting to go climb that tree, get that boa, and, you know, because you have these moments where, uh, where, you know, you know, they're thinking to themselves, I'm in a tree in the Amazon trying not to get stung by bullet ants. And there's a, there's an Amazon tree boa, a garden, a garden boa. (laughs) There's no gardens down there. Yeah. Weird name, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and then, so all the, all the students had, had some study projects. They were they were going they not necessarily study projects, but uh, what we would call those a uh, research project. Research yeah. project, yeah. And so they were doing some trapping, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, I got to hang out with Megan and Rachel and a few others at night while they were studying scorpions and, and uh, taking down some data on uh, the effects of UV light on scorpions. Is yep. that right? Uh, yeah, correct. You can say correct. Okay, yeah. very good. <laughs> yeah, the UV that was that was fun. That was a fun, some fun experience seeing folks to you know pursue this the research you know what they needed to do to gather their data and stuff. It was really kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I I like having that element of you know how do you know things? How do you figure? Well, you you know things different ways in different fields, but in science, it's 
we go out, we do observation, we do, in, we, we do experiments and that's, that's how we know things. So you can, you can be an educator, but you might not really know the things you're talking about unless, uh, unless you've gotten them from the source, so to speak. And you had some fun with, uh, some All aquatic about. traps. Yeah. 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 We caught absolutely nothing. I'll tell you what, I, we, I put some of these aquatic traps in, in North Carolina and it's like, oh, we got seven painted turtles and, you know, all sorts of fish and stuff like that. And we got, we got very angry catfish. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. all we got in those traps in the Amazon. Yeah. So uh, not that I'm bitter about that, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was certain that you were going to come up with a rich haul oh. of fish and turtles and uh mata mata yeah you know, i was i was hoping <laughs> yeah but, me too me too but we'll yeah but you know it is what it is and, <laughs> indeed and it, was, it was fun watching watching you and a couple other people up to your necks in these uh <laughs> muddy dank streams uh with who knows where the bottom is and and uh where, what you're stepping on isn't the real bottom mm-hmm. yeah it's an experience for sure and and uh yeah like you said i have uh had a couple of very dedicated students that uh, that got got in the thick of it, and uh, so I know Rachel was in there with me, and Jess was in there a lot, Megan too. Um, so yeah, uh, which is you know, honestly, it's you know, I'm I'm a freshwater ecologist, and it's still a little bit scary when you step on those bottoms. It's like I know I'm not going to step on an anaconda, and if I do, it'll be cool. But still, it's kind of scary. Like it's that primeval sort of fear yeah. um, of the unknown when yeah. when the you can't see an inch down into the water. It's the tactile encounter with a primordial ooze. Yeah, yeah, and I've you know I've had some I've had some experiences with uh, with wetlands in terms of just being bit by things or stung by things and stuff like that, and so. Uh, they did well. <laughs> as far as the, the, the feedback goes, uh, I assume you're, you're going to want to come back. You know, and, and um, do another ecology, tropical ecology class. I, I'm not sure because, um, Western civilization kind of collapsed while we were away. I think oh. they named me there holding it down or something. Uh, but no, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. And, uh, I, if it is in my power, which, which it probably will be, it'll be a, It'll be a regular thing that uh, that we do. Like I said, I'm fairly new at the college, but uh, I've been given the opportunity to make some changes in the in the program I I teach in the environmental science program, and it's getting uh, a lot more field based because that's uh, that's where the environment is. Yeah, that's that's where the environment is, and that's where where people uh, learn best. And so, yeah, that's that's for sure going to be a thing. Cool. Maybe um, you come down every other year or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's my that's my hope. That's my hope. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, it was an interesting field trip. Mm. Uh, we went down there uh, early March. We heard about this this new virus <laughs> thing that was happening. Yeah, uh, I had like two cases in Portland or something like. Yeah, that. and I, uh, I I looked at it with an eye askance, looking at it, to wondering, you know, is this going to be a problem for us? And Peru had one case. And as far as I could tell, uh, the day before we left, so we, we went we went down and we did our thing. We had our happy little nine, ten day experience down there. And I, I think it was the, we were a couple days from leaving and we were back towards civilization. We were able to get a little bit of cell service. <laughs> Suddenly found out that things had, in that short period of time, the entire world had just kind of turned upside down. You ain't kidding. Yeah. <laughs> And that Peru was going to be shutting its, its borders and shutting down all its air traffic. 
you know, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, I'll tell you what, it should have been, should have been one of the highlight experiences of my life. I was road cruising in the Amazon for the first time and yeah, we get that, we get that message. You know, at first it's like, okay, it's a little bit, we heard a couple of things initially and it was a little bit scary, but it wasn't, you know, it was, oh, we get an extra week of spring break. Okay. I'll take it, you know? Um, but then it was, yeah, they're closing down the country and the military is being deployed. And here I am driving through the Amazon with, with all my students. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we were, uh, on the outskirts of Iquitos mm-hmm. and we were flying home, I think the next day or the day yeah, after the next day, yeah. next day. But, uh, when we heard what was going on, we <laughs> yeah. bought the van to a halt, yeah. yeah. went back to the hotel and tried to figure out what the heck was going to happen. Cause we, we weren't sure if the travel ban was going to happen that night or the next night. And then there was some, no small trepidation there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we eventually figured out that, uh, yeah, we were, uh, we, there was going to be travel the next day. And I believe you guys got out on your, your intended flight. Is that correct? Yeah, we did. Yeah. And shout out to Guillermo who kept the city running so we could have breakfast that morning. Oh yeah. Yeah. Guillermo's our, our, what we call our man in Iquitos who, <laughs> who handles a, all the logistics and getting our, our crews from the airport to the, to the Amazon and then back yep. and back on the plane. Yeah. He did a great job and he was, uh, did a great job running around trying to get facts for us. Mm-hmm. So you got out, you guys left the airport and you got out, uh, early evening flight, I think, or late afternoon flight. I think our flight left at like 10. So it wasn't that oh, far away oh, from yours. Okay. Uh, so it was late, but you went to the airport earlier than I did. So we, we did. Yeah. Cause we, well, our flight out of Iquitos was earlier. Yes. Uh, they, they started trying to move us around and stuff though. And, uh, it was getting a little scary there for a while. Yeah. And, and the, for me, you and all the kids, you get in a van and you disappear and it's just me at the hotel. And I'm like, am I going to get out of here? And then, uh, then the, the army comes and starts blocking streets and they start going street by street and, and making people go home and, the streets started emptying out and I'm just sitting there in the front of the hotel watching all this going, what's going to happen? But our, our, our guy, Guillermo, uh, arranged to get me a taxi ride to the airport and I got out of Iquitos and got my flight to Lima. And then the whole, uh, anxiety cycle started again, right? Because it's like, well, got to Lima now. Are we going to get out of Lima? And I'm sure mm-hmm. you guys had this, the same sort of trepidation too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, gosh, it was, it was like the, the beginning of every pandemic post-apocalyptic movie you've ever seen, <laughs> like wall-to-wall people. And, you know, we, we didn't know that much about how it spread at that point. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't know anything. And uh, it, it was just like, all right, let's 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 get back because I'm supposed to get you all back. <laughs> and you did. And yeah. you did. So yeah. everything went well. And uh, the, the, the country was shut down that night at midnight. And uh, my plane, by the time we got in line to get on the plane, there were two flights left on the board, which is weird. There were just two flights left. And it was one, our flight and one to Newark. And I think we were about five minutes after the Newark flight. And those were the last two flights to leave the country. And they moved them up. I think they moved both of the flights up a half an hour so that we would leave before midnight because that was it. Midnight, done. All, yeah. all air traffic, all river traffic. Everything was shut down in the country. Man, uh, it was a little scary. I was worried about being stranded in Lima, and there were, in fact, uh, I think maybe several thousand Americans who were tra- traveling and got stranded in Lima. 
and uh, for weeks. And mm-hmm. I'm glad I wasn't one of them. I feel really sorry for those people who got stuck there. Yeah, absolutely. It that uh, that flight out uh, felt like that scene on Independence Day where. Washington D.C. is being blown up behind Air Force yeah. One, and they're just, you know, they they Getting take out. off. Yeah, they, and it's like we got out. Yeah, just the the biggest you could you could hear the sigh when the those wheels got off the got off the tarmac in in Lima because we were you know we were standing in the airport and there's like news feeds of military in the streets being shot right outside the window. Oh, like, I mean you. Uh, Scenes were being shot. Military wasn't being shot. Yeah, no, yes. Okay. <laughs> well, you never know. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm exaggerating slightly, but no, no, it's uh, yeah. We, I'm glad we we, we were able to get out and um. Yeah, I I didn't believe it was going to happen until the, the wheels went up inside the plane, <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, yeah, who? And that whole thing about you know like feeling like a big weight is off your head. That's really true. That was really true. It was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know, you know, and I, I, you know, I didn't care where I landed in the States as long as I landed somewhere in the United States because I could, I could just rent a car or get a bicycle or hitchhike or something to go home (laughs) as long as I could get, you know, within the country. So, yeah. Well, and we had a student with us who was supposed to be going back to school in, in Europe, in Portugal, and (laughs) had this moment like, Sorry, you're coming home with us. <laughs> like in terms of you know, because that was one of the epicenters at that point, and and you know she had just been here and back. Like program she was in was canceled for the year and all that. It's like yeah, we're, uh, so we we end up coming home with more people than uh, than we left with. And then you end up staying at various people's houses, but you all eventually everybody got home. So. Yeah, everybody got home. Yeah. Everybody survived and. You know, who knows whether we actually had got COVID or not, because we went through uh, Lima, Atlanta, and Miami <laughs> airports. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So, um, and finally got to Atlanta and had to make a you know five hour something drive back to uh, back to Montreat. So, yeah, that's a that's a resume builder right there. I uh, I I got nine ten students out of the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> out of the great collapse you think you're going down there to teach tropical ecology yeah. and, you know you end up uh, running logistics yeah 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 it's true it's true but it was it worked out but hey let's not do that again yeah let's uh, you know yeah if it happens the next time i go to peru i'm not going back to peru after <laughs> that yeah i'm gonna watch very carefully <laughs> check my 2021 or 2022 bingo card to see what uh, what oh, might be coming up goodness so. Whew. yeah yeah yeah, and thank goodness it's calmed down since then. But, yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay, well, moving on. Anyway. Uh, yeah. As far, speaking of travel, you've been to uh, some other places, and I think uh, one of the places that I know you love is uh, Paraguay. It is. It definitely is. Um, uh, I've been there twice and uh, planning on going again in the future. And what is it about this this South American country that interests you? Um, their biodiversity is just amazing. There, uh, it's a little hard to explain. Like, it, there's there's not necessarily one thing I can point out there that that makes me like being there. And what about it, the thirteen species of armadillo? <laughs> that should be enough to get you on a plane. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Uh, yeah, so. Some of the biodiversity, including 
<laughs> including the number of armadillos. And there's a story about that that's not going to be told on uh, on so much Pingle unless you're starting your Well, I told uh, you I wouldn't put you on a spot. Okay. And well. I lied. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, this is going on so much Pingle after dark. Yeah. Um, uh, well, it is after dark, so. Yeah, there we go. Here we are. Um, so, yeah, so they've, they've got, um, you know, they have a lot of cool mammal species. Uh, I know a lot of... Uh, mammalers i guess that have gone there you can see a lot more than you can in say the amazon or whatever not because they they do have more species in a lot of cases but also because it's not as dense a vegetation so uh people pretty consistently see jaguars and pumas and and that sort of thing nice. there uh so that that's some of the big stuff we're hoping for it's it's i go there i go to herp but but i also go for the mammals for the big mammals yeah absolutely hmm. and along with uh well, they have anteaters uh, or, or anteater-like things. Like. Giant anteaters, uh, tamanduas, maned wolves, uh, wolves. Sorry, uh, they they've got some cool mammal fauna, and then the the herps are are just stupendous. Um, they've got a few species of hognose snake. The tricolor hognose. They right? have tricolor hogs. I got a few of them last time I was down. You know, musaranas, uh, neotropical rattlesnakes. Now that interests me. Neotropical rattlers? Yes. Okay. I mean, that's as far south as rattlers get, isn't it? Uh, down I, in Argentina, maybe? Yeah, they do get down into Argentina, okay. but yeah, you're you're pushing, you're, it's the only species, for sure, uh, down there, so. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, what about amphibians? They got some things. Um, yeah. You know, like like you would expect from a desert, they got their, their weird, cool amphibians that burrow under the ground. Um when it's, uh, I mean, it's not technically desert, but uh, but when it gets dry, and uh, so they they've got a few species of uh, what what many call Pac-Man frogs there. So so that's the ceratophorus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so they they've got the those, and then they have a number uh, another uh, closely related species that I think is Chacofries. Um, but they're another, uh, essentially, uh, a Pac-Man frog. Okay. One of the areas in Par- Paraguay or Paraguay is the, the Chaco, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a, a specific type of habitat, right? It's a yeah, it's uh, really dry, arid place, not, not really a desert, maybe. What would you call it? Thorn scrub. Yeah. Thorn so, scrub. It's, so it's a thorn scrub type habitat. Um, like I said, it's, it's, it's a lot more open, so you can see a lot more things. I think they have 700 species of bird or something like that known known from, from the country. Most of them are from the Chaco there. Really? 700 species of birds? Yeah. Do you yep. think anybody listening to this cares? Uh, you know? <laughs> I just... You get... To, yeah. We have Herbert. We have birding herpers. Yeah, you get, some, you get some weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with those bird people? Yeah. They must yeah. be crazy looking up all the time. Seriously. Feathers and things. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with them? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, okay. But anyway, yeah. Flying dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm so over that. <laughs> yeah. But they have a lot of cool... It's just a cool country to go to then, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, like I said, I've I've been twice and I'll, I'll be going back. Uh, it's... it's and the culture there, uh, you know, uh, in some Latin American countries, they'll have sort of their, their national catchphrase, like in, you know, Costa Rica, it's pura vida, pure life. Oh, yeah. In, in Paraguay, it's tranquilo. Tranquilo. Yeah. Tranquil. Tranquil. <laughs> so, so it's, you know, it's just a laid back uh, place and uh, especially the Chaco, which is um, the western half of the country, essentially. It's uh, it's mostly populated by uh, indigenous People and um, 
Mennonites, actually. So Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, the first time I went there, I didn't speak very much Spanish. This was before, you know, before I learned, and uh, I spoke a little bit of German, and I was able to get by fine there. Because On your of, German? Yeah, with the Mennonites, oh. yeah. Oh. They they spoke uh, they they spoke low German but but it was still able to but yeah so it sounds like you're ready to go back uh maybe yeah maybe things clear up and we're allowed to leave the country <sighs> yeah yeah let's let's do it yeah because uh, you know uh, when I've been before it's never been purely for a herping trip so I'm I'm really looking forward to just going there and just going all out um, being married with three three children uh i don't always uh get gotta, to do that you gotta pick your occasions when you can do these things yeah exactly and and you know when uh when i'm teaching classes i have to maintain the facade that it's not just a big herping trip uh, <laughs> so so you know we'll go to these really cool places like the chiricahuas and stuff and you yeah. know i'll have like you know we're gonna do a hike during the day and whatever and and then you know you have free time after 5 p.m <laughs> Ah. <laughs> so and wink, then wink. Yeah, yeah then then you know the road cruising the, yeah the the enlightens uh go, go with me and and uh so if you go, go to drivers. paraguay is this there won't be a thorn scrub ecology class it'll be nope <laughs> no it'll, it'll be, be find some cool stuff and yeah uh, mr josh holbrook on his own yeah you know. <laughs> yeah yeah Sounds no cool. I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to it because there's there, there's just something about being on a herping trip where it's like i'm just gonna kick my own rear end for a week out finding snakes 24 70 give me a weird look when i say that well i was uh, just thinking about some recent pain of mine but um <laughs> you know just come back from mexico but yeah after a while the pain fades and it's all good and you have nothing but wonderful memories exactly you get back and it's like you know i saw that yeah. how many people in the world have seen i saw that That's yeah so cool. i saw that thing right <laughs> well i have yeah. to say that you know Paraguay, I'm going to try to say it the correct way. Paraguay. Paraguay. Yeah. I I have to say that Paraguay was not on my, you know, my my top of my list uh, of herp destinations, but, you know, (laughs) you sort of intrigued me with your tales of Paraguay herpetofauna, so. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot to like there, and I I think, uh, I don't think it will disappoint, um. But yeah, you're right. It's it's not high on a lot of people's lists. Um, but in terms of the accessibility, uh, in terms of the the biodiversity there, you know, just just think of all the armadillos. I I often do. <laughs> good, good, <laughs> good. They actually have the one species there that uh, of armadillo that rolls up into a ball. The the way wow. uh, I had some friends that lived there, and the way they caught them was this is probably not like a leaf no trace thing, but they would run alongside them and they would gently tap them with their feet, you know, give them a little kick, and they'd curl up into a ball. And then wow, you could, then you could pick them up because they're curled up in a ball. Wow, so we'll do it. We'll make you chase an armadillo. Oh, okay. I guess I'm going to Paraguay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anywhere else you're interested in 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 trekking? What else? What else looks good? You know, um, I lived for uh, lived in Florida for you know ten years or so, and I never got out of the southeast very much. So um, last summer was was my first time really doing a a swing around uh, the the left side of the country, the desert southwest, and whatnot. Um, and I'm doing that again uh, this upcoming summer with students. So I'm really I'm looking forward. Desert uh, ecology, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. We have we have this great uh, uh, we have this great class called American Ecosystems, uh, and so we take the students oh. on a two and a half week road trip, um, and we we switch up where 
which area, which which habitat, broad mm-hmm. habitat type we do every time. And this one's uh, the the desert southwest. We've actually done the south. This will be the second time in a row, but we're gonna we're gonna move on after this. Just it's it's so cool. Yeah. So when is it Connecticut's turn? Uh, Connecticut for herping. <laughs> <laughs> I can show them some spotted turtles and. I mean, and, yeah, like one lizard and. Yeah, we yeah we have one lizard that I've never seen up there. Um, you know, we might we might do a. We might do a boreal forest swing at some point. There I you just, go. I just got to get myself in the mentality of I ain't going to see any herps. Oh. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, but, but that's okay. You know, you just, but there is cool stuff up there. You know, I got a chance to go to Maine a couple of summers ago and there were milk snakes everywhere. Like you, you pick up every piece of wood and there's, there's a milk snake or two underneath. They have smooth greens too. Yeah. I, evidently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't see anyone when we were there, but, uh, but they, there's cool biodiversity everywhere. There, there are amazing things to Should see. Should you choose everywhere. to look? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that'll that'll be uh, that'll be at some point in the future. Um, I think uh, the next ecosystems class that we do, though, uh, after this one, will be probably the California coast. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tide pools. Uh, yeah. You Big Sur. What's that? Big Sur. Uh, yeah. I, I'm hoping all the above. Nice. You know, I, I I want them to see and experience some cool things that they'll never get to see. Uh, well, you know, unless they go back. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So those are uh, those are the big ones. Paraguay and and uh, the the West again. Um, okay. I, I, I when you do, do these when you do these tropical ecology classes and, and whatnot and American ecosystem. ecosystems classes yeah. and and the students come back and and they give you probably some feedback. I mean, do you do you have this these moments where you're like, yeah, they got something out of this? Do you feel like that you get a feedback that makes you obviously it must be a successful program, but is is that part uh, important to you too? Just you you think you're imparting knowledge, or they tell you 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 made a difference? Yeah, um, yeah, they're kind of ungrateful and just, no, I I, <laughs> I know better than that. <laughs> no, no, it, it's. Uh, you know, I, I do get that, and and I I feel like it, it's not necessarily important that that I do get that in terms of you know pats on the back sort of deal. But uh, yeah, there there are definitely uh, tangible points where I can say, oh, the connection happened there. Like yeah. they get it. Like I've talked about this in class, and like now you understand, yeah. <laughs> which is. Which is great. What more can uh, you ask for? I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, you don't need them throwing flowers at you or whatever. But, yeah, yes. Um, or money or whatever. Yeah, but well, you, you need you need some kind of idea that you must have done something right. Yeah. Well, I did have a student in Peru, uh, you know, that toast me that the, that this was the best class ever taught by the best professor ever. So that felt kind of good. So. He didn't get into the liquor cabinet, did he? <laughs> he probably did. No. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Shall and everybody knows names. who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did, yeah, but he was sincere. He was very I, sincere. I think and, so. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, when you're in the teaching world, they talk about different teaching styles, and there's not. In the classroom in science, there's not a lot of space for, you know, for instance, we we can't be talking about ecological concepts and me saying, well, let's talk about this as a group and uh, let's see if we can figure out uh, intermediate disturbance hypothesis. Like, what do you guys feel about that? That's We can't do that 
in the classroom. It, it has to be, you know. But this you can is, do it in the rainforest. Well, okay, yes, we can do it in the rainforest, but but we can also, that's that's where the tactile learning comes in. That's where those other learning styles are and where I can say that, you know, in the classroom it's this is this, you know, and it's kind of kind of boring in that sense. I mean, I love it. But then in, in the, out in the field, it's like, this is why this is important. The um, connection. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's what ecology is. It's it's connections. Very cool. And <laughs> the, uh, the deeper you go, the deeper it gets, right? Yeah. I'm. Gosh, I'm still constantly amazed uh, just how things are connected. I'm getting to show some of that, some of that off. How lots of things are significant. <laughs> yes. So. Yes. And on that tropical ecology class, I mean, I learned some things. I listened and oh, good. soaked up on some stuff. So. I mean, you're the best tropical ecology professor I've ever had. Oh, so. great. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that. It was good. I really learned some things. So okay. I, I enjoyed uh, watching you work and uh, putting it all together. It was really cool. Yeah. And I, what I love about about doing that, with, with especially they, they did have their own research projects that they sort of came up with, is uh, when... A lot of times, and certainly I had this somewhat in school, I had, I had really good professors in school, but in a lot of cases, college becomes, okay, this is the stuff that um, I'm going to tell you about the stuff that you're going to do when you're big boys and girls someday, instead of like, let's do the real thing. Let's, yeah. let's do it. This is, this is how you do it in a research lab. This is how you, let's, let's run it just like that. So you can do the real thing. And yes, you're going to be in over your head, but that's the only way you learn. If you're not in over your head, you can't learn something because gotcha. you already understand it. Very so. good. Well, I think the last thing I want to just touch base with you about is herping. And, uh, you, you do all these cool things as, as the professor and, and so on and so forth. But you, you also enjoy getting out and going herping. And I remember, um, when we were putting our book together, I came out and visited you and stayed at your house for a couple of days, and mm-hmm. we had a, a good time. Uh, Montreat College looks like it's somewhere in Middle Earth, by the way. Uh, it's it's beautiful up there, and I yes. really enjoyed that. And we went out and did some salamander uh, salamandering in the rain and uh, found a ton of cool salamanders <laughs> on the road. It was just amazing. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. And so uh, tell us about what you enjoy doing in, in, in terms of the herp life. What's What really gets you going? Yeah, I... Like I, I have three small kids, so I don't get to travel too much. But I'll tell you what, I've got a, I've got a road. I'm not going to give you the minute count to my house because then you, somebody will be able to figure it out. But it's, it's close to my house, and I can make a couple hour trip. And and uh, gosh, it's, it's just such a magical place. So uh, get red salamanders and mud salamanders and spotted salamanders right next to spring salamanders. Like we get these weird mixes of things probably a dozen or so salamander species total um, there. But then there's also mole king snakes and these really funky looking milk snakes. I Well, I think they're really funky looking. And Chad Whitney thinks they're really funky looking. So some other people are like, that's just a normal milk snake. But I'm on Chad's side for that one. Okay. Um, <laughs> Let's call him funky then. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's just, there's some cool, there's... A lot of cool turtles. There's maybe bog turtles in the area and that sort of thing. So now that's cool. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a magical place. Um, timbers. Uh, so that's that's my local spot. Um, when I can, I really enjoy getting down to the sand hills. Um, just because um, sand hills of 
uh, uh, Carolinas? Or? Yeah, North Carolina. I probably go to the Sand Hills of South Carolina more, just because I, I have see. a I have a good relationship with some of the uh, some of the public lands down there. In terms of, uh, I ask for a permit for education, and they just give it to me. <laughs> so, oh, cool. Um, but uh, so I go go down there quite a bit for you know pine barrens, tree frogs, and uh, and try for simus. But uh, it's actually been a couple of years since southern hognose snake since. I've turned those up, but uh, they are one of my favorites when they're when they're out. So. I feel so bad for you, <laughs> yeah. me who has not found one yet. Well, yeah, you know, just come on down and we'll we'll get you Simus and uh, uh, and we'll get you chameleons in Florida. I want to get chameleons in Africa. <laughs> well, where they belong. Yeah, well, they're you know they're there to stay. Might as well see them, and uh, you know uh, that's that's another thing that I do. That's uh, it's sort of half and half academic and field herping. It's, it's, you know, yes, what I do for fun for field herping. It's, it's one of those things where uh, I just love it so much that there's there's not much much difference in the two. You know, it's for the first couple of years working at the college. It's like I feel guilty because I'm having so much fun with my job, and yeah, uh, so it all meshes together, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and so I've been able to take students down, and we we go herping for chameleons and actually last time we're down we got a panther chameleon it's beautiful <sighs> i have mixed feelings about this this whole florida chameleon business uh, well i mean i i do as well and in fact um i was actually on a little nat geo clip about that and uh that has had some uh oh. talking about the ranching and and that sort of thing and that's that's had some <laughs> so so tell me the story about <laughs> tell me the story you told me yesterday yeah yeah so um so I was out there, um, and in this undisclosed place that everybody knows about in, in central Florida, uh, looking for panther chameleons. And, uh, I had permission to look on this property and evidently the next landowner over got confused or something like that. And he told us we need to leave and he you know, kind of confronted you. Yeah. He confronted, he's like, you need to get off here and everything. And, and, uh, and was not very happy about us being there. It, like I said, we had permission on the property, but we were just like, you know, whatever, it's fine. We don't, it's it's not worth getting shot at for the second time. Looking and that's happened, folks. People have been shot at. I have been shot at. Well, yeah, oh. I was part of that large group. Uh, we were When I was shot at, we were on a public ro road, and uh, I didn't realize that bullets actually whiz when they're coming in your direction. Like, I always heard that terminology, but I've always... <laughs> anyways, wow. anyways, back to the, the other story. Um and uh, so this guy, so we were like, okay, fine, you know, we'll leave, whatever. And this guy was like, you know, I wouldn't have so much of a problem with you being here, but recently there's been a lot of people coming here looking for chameleons because there's this Nat Geo video and there's this guy named Josh Holbrook on the video telling people that they can find chameleons in Florida. <laughs> and so I'm standing there, you know, it's, it's like 10 o'clock at night and I've got the headlamp on and, and, uh, you know, so you can't see my face or anything. And I'm just like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. really? Yeah. 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 That guy's a jerk. Like, and first off, that wasn't what I was doing in, in, in the video, but, uh, but yeah, it was a very surreal moment. Like, cause you don't, you don't consider like this person thinks he's, you know, how many conversations do I come up in? If, if wouldn't it be person... weird to be shot because some guy who was you 
<laughs> got you shot. Wow. I mean, there's this is a, a meta it's, moment. It's a, I'm gonna say it's so meta. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I got myself shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he was. <clears throat> Thanks, Nat Geo. Well, yeah, and I didn't. I didn't realize that. Like, I had there were people with like you know blood vendettas against me uh uh up until that point so i've you know i've i've pissed over some googly-eyed off. lizards by yeah. the way yeah i've pissed some people off over uh pythons and chameleons over the years i just yeah so as one does you know if if you're not pissing some people off you're not doing it right that's correct. <laughs> so, um, yeah, keep those cards and letters coming in, folks. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, Josh Holbrook, Montreat College. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that I thought it was a great story, and um, I I still don't. I want to go find them in Africa. You know, I you know, I get it. I get it. Um, it, but you know, I I lived in Florida for ten years, so it's like. Uh, it's amazing, but it's also expected. It, it, for it's, you, it's just a day at the zoo. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's yeah. what Florida is now. It's a big outdoor zoo. And, and you have conversations like, you know, uh, not, I, I wonder if these could be established here. It's, I wonder if these are established yet. Yes. <laughs> like we, you know, we, and there's other things. It's like, you know, they're there. You got, you hear firsthand accounts of people, you know, uh, Triceros, uh, three, uh, Jackson's chameleons and stuff like that. Right. They're there. You know, so far people have kept their mouth shut because Asian vine snakes. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh the, the uh elephant trunk snakes too. I actually oh my gosh. I found a uh I found a tentacled snake in uh in Broward County in Florida. And uh you know, I'm not really good with my my foreign herps. I'm I'm very much a I have to see things to be able to learn them. So I I I craw- called up Chris Gillette and I was like, um, you know, I was walking around here and uh I found this snake. It's got like tentacles on its face. Do you know what it is? And he goes, a tentacled snake. <laughs> I was Thank like, you, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah I mean, that's that's an animal that p- potentially could establish itself in the Everglades. Yeah, I mean, thankfully it was it was a ways away, but yeah, for for sure. And and there's uh, there's a long history of of people starting populations as as cash crops down there and it's it um it's an unfortunate it's unfortunate and it it leads to many like i guess guilty pleasures because like this is so fun herping for chameleons is is really fun you know and at the same time it's like these aren't supposed to be here yeah but then again they're eating brown anoles so it's it's ah, it's one of those things exotics <laughs> eating exotics yeah it's, i don't know who to wrote who to root for in this <laughs> exactly it, it's a it's a complicated moral question. We need to yeah. sit around and philosophize about it for a while. But uh, Which we'll do as soon as we shut these microphones off. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. You knew it was going to happen sooner or later. And I'm glad it happened sooner than later. And uh, hope you sell a million books, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you too. <laughs> you too. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm ecstatic to to be here not not just here physically but uh so yeah i'm glad we got this out of the way right yeah 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 now we can now i can start bugging you about coming on again talk about chameleons oh pythons oh mike already talked about pythons he's better than me I did. Oh yeah, Mike Rashford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was episode one. You you yeah. went. You went. You talked. You I got straight out, out the, the big game. hammer with that one, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. It's like I'm going to talk about pythons, so I can, you know. And I knew just the guy I wanted to talk to. Yeah. Well, you got to 
separate the chaff from the wheat. You don't want, uh, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, come out guns blazing. Exactly. you going to get exactly. established. So I thought Mike was a good choice for that. That so. Mike was an excellent choice. Yeah. So he's an old herping buddy from mine from Florida. But I, I may have to, uh, I may have to do like a Florida exotic show and, and get maybe you and Mike and maybe some other people on the show to talk about the weird, wonderful place that is Florida. Florida exotic show yeah. tour. I mean, you know, oh, let's let's go. Okay, what are you waiting for, man? All right, what well, do you I, got going on? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> All right, very good, sir. Cool. Thanks again for coming on the yeah, show. Thank you, Mike, I and uh, it. thanks again out there to our listening audience who's been very patient sitting around this campfire, which is uh, starting to get uh, starting to die down a little bit. We need to throw some logs on there, and uh, yeah, get on that. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mike. That's it for episode 24. I hope you all enjoyed my conversation with Josh Holbrook. And thank you, Josh, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And thanks again to Megan and Rachel and the rest of the student studio audience as well. And hey, folks, uh, keep that feedback rolling in. I really appreciate all of your comments and suggestions, and I just love hearing from y'all. And I'm still working on getting some merchandise together and a Patreon page as well so that So Much Pingle can be a real podcast. So stay tuned on that. Just a few more things before I go. You can find all of the recorded So Much Pingle episodes and the show notes at SoMuchPingle.com. And you can also join the So Much Pingle Facebook group and follow the show. You can also email me directly at somuchpingle at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And in the meantime, please take good care of yourselves. And don't forget to hurt better. <laughs>